Hi everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and today we're going to discuss drafting white and black in Neon Dynasty. There are notes available on patreon.com slash drafting archetypes for uh, those patrons who would like to follow along. Getting into it. White-black has a 56.8 overall win rate, which is basically exactly the average win rate for a two-color deck. It's very, very middle of the pack in, in terms of archetype success. Big picture, as far as like what this archetype is doing strategically, I think that you are trying to take advantage of the fact that structurally, a lot of the other decks are built around scaling payoffs for critical or scaling mass of cards that they're trying to accumulate while you have non-scaling binary requirements. That is to say that like other people might want to collect large numbers of like artifacts or large numbers of enchantments or something, while in white-black you just need to have an artifact and enchantment. And that means that getting your requirements met, and then you can focus on just like trading off cards and your cards will keep having their synergies and doing more than their baseline, while your opponent's cards won't be able to scale properly because you keep killing them. That's all very theoretical, but what it really means is that this is on the more controlling end of decks for this format. And you are generally looking at cards that like lean toward success in small games rather than success in big games. There's a bit to be discussed further there. I guess this is similar to white, black in Crimson Vow in that because it's not very aggressive and is heavier removal, you're really not playing a tempo game. You're playing an attrition game. And that means that your curve is a little bit less of a concern, especially since like even the cheaper cards that you want to play generally aren't about applying pressure. They're kind of about just like gaining objects on your opponent in some way. Again, this means that you're just a little bit lower synergy, a little bit more about raw power level, a little bit less concerned with casting cost, a little more concerned with kind of like total impact to the cards that you're playing. That said, rate always matters. You don't want your deck to be nothing but six drops, but pressure to have like a perfect aggressive curve that might be there for some aggressive decks isn't present really here as much. Next thing to talk about. If you look at the win rates among commons in um, white and black, you might notice that the top five commons in order, Imperial Oath, Okiba Reckoner Raid, Spirited Companion, Virus Beetle, and Searchlight Companion are all cards that add presence to the battlefield in the form of creatures. Imperial Oath is the one of them that is not a creature, but like the output there is a creature. So, or well, three creatures. All the best cards are creatures, which is an interesting thing to observe about an archetype that I describe as a heavy removal. These creatures, however, are not, with the exception of a Cuba Reckoner raid, particularly aggressive or high impact. You're really just, all of these are just, you know, they're one, one, and two, two creatures. They're just about getting a little bit of value. And 
it's interesting, you know, I've talked about how like spirited companion type cards and virus beetle type cards are kind of opposite things. Spirited companion makes games larger, virus beetle makes games smaller. So if you want a large game, you want a spirited companion. If you want a small game, you want virus beetle. In this archetype, they're both really just functioning as attrition favoring uh, like general value cards. They're pretty interchangeable here, and you actually want to mix them because you want a mix of artifacts and enchantments, and Spirited Companion gives you an enchantment, Virus Beetle gives you an artifact. With their powers combined, you can draw a card off of your Akami of Secret Truths, which is the seventh best uh, common in the archetype, and just kind of generally grind out a really, really gradual flow of resources in abundance of your opponent's resources, which is kind of the goal of any sort of attrition strategy. And uh, white black here is definitely leaning into that. Just play cards that trade favorably with your opponent's objects in some way. Incidentally, Twisted Embrace is the sixth most winning common in this archetype. That's the first removal spell that we see, but it's also an enchantment. So it's providing a little bit of extra value when it kills something. And then before the other removal spells, we have uh, other more expensive value creatures that I like a lot. Kami of Terrible Secrets and Shrine Steward. Shrine Steward is a card that I'm really, really optimistic about in white-black. This is, you know, Heliod's Pilgrim has been really, really good in formats where it can find a removal spell and you kind of build this weird, like, common flame tonkavu type effect for those of you who are really old and know about flame tonkavu uh it's a stand-in for a creature that kills another creature when you play it so uh shrine steward is kind of a build your own that thing because it can find auras and you have intercessors arrest and twisted embrace and clawing torment or whatever the one mana enchant creature that gives minus one minus one has three different options in white black that let you kill a creature with the thing that this finds and then of course also you can find uncommon shrines so that you can find either a threat or a removal spell to give you some very potent modality off of your shrine steward and then in addition to all that the shrine steward is finding uh, it itself is an artifact and it finds an enchantment so it enables any of your artifact plus enchantment synergies by itself and then of course because you're playing this like slow your opponent down slower grindier game you don't really mind playing a five mana three two that's really kind of just like reasonable rate reasonable like reasonably on plan for what you're doing so I think that kind of just like leaning into drafting and enabling Shrine Stewards is a very good kind of like baseline thing to be thinking about and looking for when you're drafting white black. So there are a lot of removal options. I've already talked about the three auras. And then on top of that, there's Lethal Exploit and Repel the Vile and Wanderer's Interception, something, deal four damage to an attacker blocker, Intervention, I don't know. Anyway, there are a lot of ways to kill creatures in these colors, and none of them are among the winningest cards, but all of them, I think, want to be in your deck. I mean, you don't need to have all of them. They're all playables for white-black. I think that 
this archetype has a notably higher than usual number of commons that are just like totally on plan. You're totally happy to play. Uh, this, this archetype is very deeply supported. You should not have a lot of trouble finding enough playables unless your colors are really overdrafted in your particular draft. When you're just looking for any card that exists at a good rate, has synergies with your artifacts and enchantments, uh, provides some kind of like value up front or is a removal spell, turns out that's basically every white and black card, so you're pretty much good to go. You'll have some removal. You don't need to prioritize it. All of it's basically interchangeable. And when I say all of it's basically interchangeable, I mean literally Intercessors, Arrest, Repel the Vile, Lethal Exploit are all 0.1% of each other uh, in win rate in this archetype. So you want to have some removal spells, but the value of a replacement of one over another is really, really small. So just when there's not, so basically just like draft value commons over removal commons over other commons. And that should just get you a reasonable mix of the kinds of things that you want. And then, of course, because you don't need to be that curve sensitive, you can just kind of like generally follow that rule, modifying only a little bit for specific concerns, and you should end up in a pretty good place. There's a little bit of like, okay, but like papercraft decoy, that's like value, but it's kind of like sometimes value and you have to like sort of sort of work for it. Am I supposed to really take that over removal spells? Like, no, I mean, there's, there's a range of quality of removal and a range of quality of value. But for the most part, your first thought should be make sure that my deck is doing stuff to get to like generate card advantage. And then your second thought should be make sure that you have a good amount of removal because blue and green are pretty good at generating card advantage. And if you have a bunch of removal and you don't have your own two for ones, you're going to lose the attrition battle and grind yourself out. So that's why your first priority needs to make be making sure that you're getting value. And then your second priority can be answering your opponent's things. Now, it's nice that all of your card advantage comes in the form of these extra creatures on the battlefield, both because it means that you are unlikely to like really get tempoed out because you're contributing to the battlefield while you're doing your stuff. And also it means that you use ninjas well. So cards that maybe like don't look that great outside of like blue black ninjas in general, like whatever the ambusher, the the three two lifelink ambusher and Dukuchi Shadow Walker, Dokuchi Shadow Walker are pretty good here. If you have some of these like ninjas, it can be, you know, your opponent's like, all right, I need to like try to make sure that your spirited companions and virus beetles never get through. But like you can often set up using your removal or whatever to get them through. Brute Suit is another card that's like good in this deck because you should be prioritizing these one ones and then they hang out and play and don't really do much. But if you have Brute Suit, then uh, you can use that to help them make your more impactful card work. Zumi Blade Blesser is fine body, works well with ninjas, works well with tricks. Without going too deep into individual cards, I think that hits on most of the like big picture, like this is your strategy, this is your big prioritization of cards and kind of effects and everything. With that all hopefully understood, we can take a little bit of a deeper dive on individual cards.
So first, let's talk about Imperial Oath. I kind of mentioned offhand that this is the most successful card in white-black. It's the most successful by an appreciable amount, and it is not very heavily played. I don't think that it's underplayed because people don't have access to it. It's drafted pretty late. I think people are just kind of sleeping on the card. If you follow some of the same people I follow on Twitter, you may have seen some other limited content creators talking it up. It is really good. You just get a good amount of power and toughness, plus scry three matters, plus it's very hard to answer all the power and toughness, plus when you put a bunch of power and toughness into play, vigilance lets it do double duty. This card is, you know, the only problem with it is it costs six mana, but white-black is looking to play a longer game anyway, so you don't really mind that. So this is great totally on plan in every direction top end you're already trying to play a bunch of removal so you can kill their creatures that are larger than your tutus so that your tutus can dominate the board maybe like i don't know stop sleeping on this card and make a point of putting one or maybe more than one of them in your white black decks for the most part you want to be prioritizing artifacts and enchantments and like those counts do matter and everything but the reason they matter is to enable your like three and four mana cards. So you want to prioritize one and two mana artifacts and enchantments. And then your six drop that you're playing after you kind of had to have your synergies going already. Who cares if it's an artifact or enchantment? Just play something strong. Dockside Chef, I mentioned, is not very impressive in green-black. It's quite a bit better here because, you know, you want to be playing all of the Spirit of Companions and Virus Beetles and Searchlight Companions you can get your hands on and just kind of generally playing a bit of a scrappier game uh, means that the card draw from Dock Side Chef is uh, just kind of more likely to come up and matter and uh, deter- like, you know, relevantly impact the outcome of the game. You know, green lets you kind of just like go over the top on impact and just like play bigger creatures than your opponent and win with them. And then card advantage doesn't matter so much. But with uh, white-black, you're really trying to just like line up card for card and win by having more stuff left at the end when the dust settles and Dockside Chef helps with that plan, whereas it doesn't really help with the just like do a bigger thing than your opponent plan. Life of Umizawa, Circuit Mender, and Reign of Truth are the top three uncommons. You should be taking them and putting them in your deck whenever you see them. They're all awesome. This is a great Gravelighter deck. You want to play all of that random garbage that you want to sack to Gravelighter. And then your ninjas are also good, and ninjaing Gravelighter is very nice because it is an evasive creature and it is good to play multiple times. So Gravelighter is another uncommon to look for. Cards to avoid, most notably overplayed and underperforming card is Undercity Scrounger. I thought that it would be a fine way to make sure that you have uh, artifacts in your deck. Doesn't do well here. Maybe if you're splashing a lot, or if you have Dockside Chef or something, uh, go for it. But certainly been my impression that the 1-4 creature is just like a remarkably horrible stat line for this format. Sometimes a 1-4 can hold off a lot of creatures. This is not, that's just not how this format works. The the ways that you're getting attacked, 1-4s don't line up well against, so... Maybe maybe skip that one. Searchlight Companion is another card that's underplayed. I don't have a lot to say about this one. I'm a little bit guilty of underplaying it myself. 
Obviously, it's quite good with ninjas. Same situation as Gravelighter. It gives you value and it has flying. So you can get value multiple times while making it easier to get a ninja through. So that's uh, another one to look to add to decks that you might not have been planning to use otherwise. Last kind of weird note that I have a little bit of an explanation for. When We Were Young actually does well here. I guess that's like not that weird or unexpected. If you just read the card, it has the words that say, hey, I'm intended to be good in white black. I know it has really bad stats overall, but it looks like it's not so bad in white black. Makes sense that it's bad in white red. The deck that's about attacking with one creature doesn't really want to trick for multiple creatures. And then white green has so many artifacts that you're never really getting the lifelink out of it, so it's not good. White blue, uh, I don't totally understand, but I don't think it does a lot of creature combat. And then white black has all of these like little stupid one ones and is vaguely threatening ninjas. So like you might attack with some random one ones and your opponent's like, oh no, I need to block all those. And then you're like, hey, these one ones are three, three lifelinkers, kill your blockers. Um, and also, I mean, sometimes you are, you know, you have like a big creature and then also like these one ones. And it's just like more likely that you get a combat where you get the full value out of when we were young. So I think I mentioned in my sat review that its stats were pretty bad and that made, you know, some amount of sense. But looking at it by archetype, it looks like it does actually work reasonably well in the place that it's intended for. I think it has a win percentage of around 58%, which is, you know, notably good, higher than a lot of the commons that you're looking to play. So uh, when we were young, usable in white, black, and probably only white, black. I think that basically covers what's going on here. I think that as far as the like, when and how should you end up in white, black and stuff, I think that, like I said, the commons basically all work together here. The archetype's pretty deeply supported. It's not hard to make the synergies happen. You have a coherent game plan. The thing is, when you're playing this kind of like long game that involves trading a lot, you have a bunch of like card draw effects that you want to play, and like Ecologist Terrarium is good. And I really don't know why you would be like specifically just white black, like just splash another color in this deck. Like you're probably going to find something you want. It's really easy to do. And I mean, that that's not really like a condemnation of the archetype or anything, except that like once I'm splashing a color in white black, you know, probably blue or green, because I don't, I haven't really seen a reason to touch red in this format. It's weaker than the other colors. If I'm splashing blue or green in my white black deck, blue and green are better base colors because they help you find your colors. So I'm more likely to end up shifting into being a, you know, black, green, splash white deck or a blue, white, splash black deck or, you know, any configuration where, you know, my base colors aren't uh, white and black. My base colors are green or blue and white or black or green blue splashing white black or something so the like two color dedicated white black is like i mean it's possible but the cards that you want aren't particularly colored mana intensive and it, it's just yeah it's so easy to play extra colors and because you're not aggressive there's not really pressure not to so i think to me the reason not to be white black is just well, I think a lot of the time that you're in a seat that should be white-black, your deck will just be better if your white and black are among my colors, but 
so are others. That's my take as someone who, you know, has almost never played two colors in this format and has been successful. I, I just intend to keep splashing and I think that you should be prioritizing, you know, like all the non-basic lands pretty highly and just ways to splash and planning to splash. I think this is a great format for splashing. White black is a good archetype for splashing. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't draft white black. It just means that a lot of your decks will happen to not end up being a thing that you would naturally describe as a white black deck. So in that way, this is an archetype that you shouldn't push or try to end up in all that often. But in another way, if you think back to like the, you know, demure state of mind from Strixhaven, it was all about just like, oh, draft a bunch of spells and avoid creatures and, you know, all the other stuff that was going on there where, the, you know, it didn't really matter what colors you were. You could draft in like this demure way. I would say that there's certainly like an Orzov way to draft this format. If you draft in a way that's focused on playing this attrition game, grinding your opponent out, playing all the value stuff, uh, being able to take advantage of Kami of uh, Terrible Secrets, in that way, you can draft a three-color deck that has a specifically like white-black vibe and feel and strategy. And... Uh, I think that that like overall big picture approach is pretty reasonable, especially if I see some of the stronger removal and I feel like I want my deck to have a more controlling position and game plan. I think that there's like a lot of lessons to take from understanding what white black is generally trying to do and applying that philosophy to whatever colors your deck happens to be. So that's my conclusion about white black in this format, how to draft it, how to think about it, what you're looking for. So let's turn it over to Twitch chat. This would normally be where I thank my newest patrons. Sadly, no new supporters this week. I would like to be able to thank someone next week. So be sure to check out patreon.com slash Drafting archetypes, uh, see if the benefits offered there appeal to you. I have added new benefits recently, specifically discounts for coaching. So if anyone's interested in coaching and this podcast, definitely take a look, see about the discounts you can get there. If you want any coaching sessions whatsoever, you will certainly uh, save money by becoming a patron of the podcast. First up, the black sagas all seem to be great, but are any white sagas other than Reign of Truth worth prioritizing in this archetype? Yeah, I mean, I think like Air of Enlightenment is the common saga. I think that you should play it. I don't think that it's like a super high priority, but everything that it's doing is nice. Like Scry 2 is pretty big. The like body, like 2 2 First Strike, is totally respectable. Gaining life is a good thing to do. Like, I like that card. It's not you know, a top priority, but it's a solid playable. I'm a pretty big fan of the Lord Kanda one, the thing that kills an expensive creature and then gives you a 1-4 defender. And then, you know, the rare sagas are also, they exist and they're strong. So I guess while nothing else is in Reign of Truth's League, all of the white sagas are like good playables. Also thoughts on Naomi, the signpost uncommon. I think that it is a strong card in white-black, but I think that it is not appreciably better to me than Shrine Steward. 
Um, I think either one seems like a totally reasonable thing to spend five mana on. It might be like a little bit better, but I don't think it's radically better. I do think that you want to play it, but I've generally been happiest trying to table it most of the time if there's like something else kind of appealing in the pack. Uh, next question is a little bit vaguely, vaguely on topic. I can't recall a set with such a wide disparity on what's good from content creators. Do I find that unique or interesting in any specific way? Unfortunately, my familiarity with the work of other content creators is a little hit or miss. Uh, sometimes I'm paying more attention than others. And here I don't have necessarily a great sense of like who's saying what to know kind of like why I think other people might be on a, a different page about some things or the same page about other things. I guess what I'll say about that is in terms of like whether it's unique or interesting in any specific way, this set is high synergy in a way that makes it feel a little bit more similar to Cube to me. I've talked about how I'm pretty low on uh, paying attention to 17 land stats overall in this format. And given, I mean, it's just the nature of high synergy sets that people are going to have pretty disparate understandings of things based on which synergies are most intuitive to them or they have the most experience with. And because the strength of every card and color and archetype is so different based on its context and how you use it and what you prioritize and what you're doing with it and from deck to deck and everything. Uh, it's very easy for people who have different early experiences to end up kind of like doubling down on those experiences and feeling strongly about uh, whatever they experience. I've mentioned before that uh, magic often kind of leads itself to individual players finding local maxima. So this is the thing that I'm trying to do and then I find the best way to do it. But it's hard for me to compare how good doing that is to doing a totally different thing that I don't know very much about. And that's really hard to get away from in any set or any format uh, for any content creator or any player. And so in the more synergy-based formats and archetypes and everything, you're more likely to get a wider range of experiences and perceptions there. And so there's going to be more disagreement about what works and what doesn't work and everything. So it does make sense to me that you'd be hearing different things from different people. Also, you know, it's very possible for a lot of the things that you're hearing to simultaneously be right, or at least to have grains of truth. Uh, they're true for, you know, the space that they operate in. They are accurately pointing toward a certain kind of local maxima. Next up, given that I like Shrine Steward in this archetype, do I have a slight affinity towards shrines? Yes, to all of that, including the word slight. Part of what's going on here is that I think that the white shrine is just like generically good, especially in a slow deck, and doesn't really need any support. Like I think it's the best shrine, and so the fact that that's the shrine that I want makes it easier for me to use Shrine Steward. And then the black shrine, I think, is whatever. It's fine to play it. It's quite a bit better if you have, like, the white shrine also. And then if you have, like, both a white shrine and a black shrine, having steward to assemble the two together is quite good. And then if you have both of those, then it's like, okay, well, now I'm interested in splashing a third shrine so I can go off with them and stuff. I don't think you want to, like worry too much about shrines and like if you have a white shrine you shouldn't necessarily feel like oh now i can't pass other shrines and have to try to make them work and everything 
like I said, you can just have the white shrine and call it call it a day there. But I'm, you know, looking for them a little bit more than I otherwise would be because I'm trying to get shrine stewards into my deck. Is it ever too late to start adding green to your draft deck? <laughs> I love the sentiment to that question. I mean, yeah, like at a certain point, you're committed to two non-green colors in an aggressive position and aggressive decks don't like to splash. And like at a certain point, you're like deep enough that you're not going to be able to find like enough fixing and enough good cards to justify playing the good cards without the fixing or to have time to find the fixing. But like as far as, you know, if you're like a pack in to a solid two color deck that's white black and you open a good green card and like there's not a good white or black card, like it's probably not too late to be like, eh, this can get in here too and not feel like you're abandoning your colors or anything, just adding. That's going to vary draft to draft a little bit based on like you want to pay attention to like are other players at the table really fighting for fixing or like am I seeing some lands table? As far as like the sentiment about, you know, like in general, can I just add more colors, especially if they're green, which helps fix or especially if I am green, then I can just add whatever, you know, I, I agree with like, the direction that I think you're getting at there. Where do I think this set exists on a spectrum of removal being bad, meh, good for modern limited formats? I think that there are two different ways to interpret that question. One way is how efficient is the removal in this set compared to the removal in other sets? So just like on an individual card basis, how good are these cards? And then the other way to interpret it is how important is removal? Those are not just different, but they're often kind of at odds, where the more efficient the removal is, the more it like defines the format, and the more people can't play things that removal is good against, and the less the removal ends up mattering individually. Whereas like the more the removal is generally and categorically bad, the more important and good individual strong removal spells are. So to try to answer, like spell it out to make sure that I'm not you know, leading to any confusion about which of those questions I'm answering. I think that removal is relatively unimportant in this format because I think that the things that win in this format are not singular threats that removal lines up well against. I think that it's more of a cascading effective value that tends to win games and there, are, you know, it, removal has a place and a role and there are things that are worth killing. But I don't feel like games come down to, well, my opponent played a thing that I had to answer and then I either had the answer for it or I didn't. And so the removal spells, I would say, are pretty average in terms of like efficiency and strength and quality, but they are less important than normal because of just like what matters in the format. So I think the removal is fine and unimportant overall compared to other modern limited formats, which is to say that you should prioritize removal, say a little bit more similarly to Kaldheim and a little bit less similarly to uh, Vow. I guess more similar to Midnight Hunt than Vow to keep it all as recent as possible. Any thoughts on the vehicle synergies and how they interact with white-black? Grease Fang at rare points to something, but I have been unimpressed with this theme in blue-white or blue-black. I agree with all of that. It's kind of weird that Grease Fang is white-black given that like the 
uncommon signpost vehicle is white blue. I think that like vehicles as a theme is not very well supported or good or interesting or something to really keep in mind while you're drafting might be different in blue white, but I don't really think so. Vehicles are usable in white black because they're a way to get artifact count and the crew one vehicles are well positioned because you have a lot of one ones that aren't really doing anything. All of this is to say, I think brute suit is playable here. I think like dragonfly suit is just a bad card, but brute suit is a fine card that you can use in white black. And then for the most part, like the other vehicles you want to pay attention to are just the vehicles that are rare and generically good, which might just be like the damage one, like the flame tongue one and the um, maze mind tome vehicle. That's just a maze mind tome that's also a vehicle for some reason. Next up, is it reasonable to draft a slow white black deck? So far, yes. Really focused on value from artifact plus enchantment matters cards, or should you just draft green black at that point? No, I, I do think that like you can, I, I think it's reasonable to draft the white black. Like green isn't always open. Um, and I mean, like, should you just be green black instead? Well, I mean, like I said, I think that it's better to be more colors in general. And I think that green is better at doing that. And it's easy to splash. And like green is offering some stuff that I really like to pair with these cards. But like, I don't think that like what white black is doing is nonsensical. I really like Kami of Terrible Secrets. I like enabling the things that this archetype is trying to enable and like green's just not always open so if you're in this space and you're not seeing green cards just play the white and black cards instead and it's fine is white black the best base to splash tamashi in it seems about the same as anything else green probably helps you get a little bit more mana but i i don't i mean as long as you have like the ability to cast tamashi and you're playing this format and you can activate it it's probably gonna be pretty great i don't think it matters all that much i guess it likes long games and so like because white black is like most kind of just like grindy and going long whereas like green might accidentally end the game at some point you're not really in danger of doing that with white black so in that way, yeah, sure. White-black seems like about as controlling as it gets, so maybe. Next up, when looking for your lane, should you be considering the pacing of the card choices you are making more than many recent sets? I'm going to have to try to figure out what the pacing of a card choice is. I'm going to need you to spell that out a little bit further. I, I, I can't quite unpack that one myself. How good is the arrest variant in white black? It is a replacement level removal effect, uh, almost exactly as good as repel the vial and lethal exploit. Slightly better than those if you have shrine steward so that you increase your depth of options for things to find. I think the fact that I'm looking for shrine steward means that I'm going to prioritize arrest over repel the vial and lethal exploit, but the cards are all pretty similar. Oh, pacing of the archetype, red and pacing of the card choices. Okay, so, all right, should you be considering the speedier deck when you're making your card choices more than in recent sets now you should always be aware of the speedier deck when you're choosing cards to play i i don't i don't think that that's meaningfully different here i i think you should just that that's something you should always be aware of in any limited format length of the game that you're playing and like general flow of the game should be one of the like more important things that are like helping you determine what you want in any limited format. That's just all kind of part of like 
having a game plan and fundamentally understanding like your the role of your deck and what you're doing. It might be the case that like there are some formats where it's more important than others, but it's hard for me to like unpack that because I can't really imagine not doing it at this point. All right, all caught up. Cues cleared. So I think that's gonna wrap it up for this week. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Going to try to learn enough to feel comfortable talking about a substantially different archetype for next week, because I do want to try to prepare people for the broadest possible range of things to think about in the format, or at least things that are worth doing to think about for the format leading into the upcoming limited open on Arena, which I'm definitely looking forward to playing. So I guess that's what we can hope for for next week. Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. And I will be back next week with another episode. Lightspeed.